Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, January 31st, the last day of the first month of 2008. I hope your year is unfolding as you dreamed it would on this beautiful January day. I'm honored to have tonight a profound spiritual teacher and author who is here to remind us of the value of our inner experience and inner guidance, Michael Brown. Thank you for joining us tonight, Michael. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for inviting me to have a conversation. Yes, it's wonderful. It's really exciting. Michael is an internationally renowned author that is offering life-changing wisdom through his writings. His story began in 1987 with the diagnosis of Horton Syndrome, an acutely painful neurological condition, and after six years of working with the medical world, it offered no salvation from his suffering. This shift in his human experience demanded that he go within, and he embarked on a quest to heal this condition himself by trusting his inner experiences as his wise compass. Michael's evolution in the spiritual realm is intriguing as it began in San Francisco with Swedish massage and Reiki therapy, and then on to Tucson, Arizona to discover breathwork, rebirthing, shamanism, in addition to aligning with an Indian tribe in Mexico. Through his journey, he discovered present moment moment awareness, leading him to an enlivened state of being that diminished his deep pain and offered him the next step in his spiritual teachings. The energetic pathways he experienced have now been accumulated into a step-by-step process that many can implement to facilitate a new and higher experience for themselves on their unique pathway. So this was presented in the recent release, The Presence Process, A Healing Journey into Present Moment Awareness. So Michael, tell us about your process that led to the creation of this phenomenal book. Well, you know, I think I, I, I took the pathway that most people are taking, um, and that was, first of all, I tried, well, first of all, the pain that I got from my neurological, uh, neurological disorder, that was my wake-up call. And um, so it first came as a very physical thing. And, of course, I did physical things. I went to practitioners and asked them to do physical things to me and give me their physical medications and give me cortisone injections in the side of my face and remove my wisdom teeth. And I even went to Sangomas, which are like witch doctors, you know, that's another word, in, in Africa, and did all sorts of strange stuff to me. So I tried the physical route, but that didn't assist me in any way. And then I entered the mental part of the journey, which is really the metaphysical part of the journey, in which I started to uh, explore my experience and started, you know, looking at my thoughts and looking at energy work and all these sorts of things. And it was only when I entered the emotional uh, uh, exploration, when I started to realize that uh, I could try and change my physical things, nothing was happening, I could change the way I was thinking about it, and the pain still continued, but underlying the pain and underlying the thoughts and the physical circumstances, there was an emotional signature, and as I started to explore that, I discovered fear, I discovered anger, and I discovered grief, 
And as I started to work directly with these emotional signatures, I started to impact my condition in an irreversible way. And the more I cleansed my emotional body, the the more I, I got relief um, from the situation and like complete resolution from it. So I no longer have that condition. And what the condition was, it really was a wake-up call and it was my teacher. So at some point I realized that you know, I'd gone to doctors for years and I remember one day sitting in front of a doctor um, in California explaining my condition to them and realizing I was now educating this doctor in front of me about mm-hmm. my condition and how on earth was someone going to help me if I have to educate them about what my condition is about. So I realized that either I was going to check in or check out. And um, I got to a point where I started to go into my experience and start to allow my experience to teach me. And um, that's, that's basically the, the um, kind of praise of what happened. That's beautiful. And, you know, I can relate to that story of realizing that moment of that epiphany that you are your own best teacher, healer, and master. Absolutely. And, and it's just so empowering, and it's as if your life can transform the moment that that is embraced. Right, and I think that one of the one of the revelations that I've had about that is, for example, there was a great teacher called Jesus, and Jesus said something which I think has been severely misinterpreted, and it, it almost goes in contrary to all his other teachings, and he's supposed to have said, I am the light, I am the way, none come through the Father but through me. But through my own experience, I've realized that if he was alive today, what he would say was, my experience is the light. My experience is the way. I do not awaken into vibrational awareness unless I go through my own experience. Yes, that's a very powerful point. It really reiterates that we each create our experience. We are co-creating it each moment one at a time. And often I relay that message to my clients. I say, you know, Buddha created his experience by going within through meditation. Jesus just walked and enacted it. He would walk to the desert to get his time to reconnect within and then go, go live that, enact that. He didn't have a book to guide him. It was his inner wisdom guiding each moment that led him to these profound experiences that we've now you know, termed into a religion over the last 2,000 years. He was such a profound mentor, but it wasn't really the idea of what he did other than embraced his own higher truth each moment one at a time leading to that uniquely powerful experience. Right, and I think this is where a lot of people's suffering lie and it's where my suffering lay for many years because the, 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 the problem about a lot of spirituality is it invites you into a supposed experience. It says you do this and you will have this experience and what it's doing by that is denying the experience you're already having um, the only spirituality for me that is of, of any relevance at all is that which impacts my 3D experience. So, you know, we can go into different dimensions and explore all these things, but if it's not changing the relationship that I'm having with myself, if it's not transforming that, if it's not transforming the relationship I'm having with my family, with my community, then what use is it? If I go on a seven-day retreat and have a profound experience, but then come back on the Monday to work and I'm overwhelmed by the world where, where the rubber hits the road, then what use is that to me? And so, you know, that's where the teaching comes in of embracing our own experience. And I think many people are suffering because they've been led to believe 
that they're supposed to go for an experience or achieve an experience other than the one they're already having. And actually what I discovered is only when you begin to honor the experience you are having as it is, which, not, which starts with acknowledging what's really going on with you in the moment, not running away from it, only then does transformation begin. And then we realize that many of our seeking and, and spiritual disciplines, many of us, if we really honestly look at ourselves, we enter spirituality as a reaction to our lives, not as a response to God. And there's a big difference in those two intents. So the first step in the journey is to really embrace my experience as it is. Let my experience as it is show me what's really going on with me. And as I sink into that, it will teach me the mechanics of how I, how I create my experience and how I can take responsibility for it. Yes, and you bring up an important point that you bring up in the book, The Presence Process, the difference between a reactive behavior and a responsive behavior. You want to explain the relevance in that difference um, in the process? Well, a, a, a reactive behavior, okay, uh, everybody has a specific experience regularly in their lives. And this experience is getting upset. And getting upset, the, the, the moment of getting upset, what's actually happening when we get upset is we're entering an altered state, which most people don't realize. When we get really angry or really afraid or in grief, we're entering an altered state because what's happening is we're entering a memory. Whatever is upsetting us is upsetting us because it's drawing on a memory of something from the past that is not, not integrated. In the moment we get upset, we do either one of two things. We either go without or we go within. Now, for most of us, the way that we've been trained through imprinting and through the example set by the world is that when we get upset, the first thing is we do is we go into the story, into the mental plane, and, and then when we believe the story we're telling ourselves, we go into the physical behavior. The story is not true no matter how, many, how often we tell it, and especially if we're angry, anger tells the best stories in the world. Then we go into the behavior based on that story. The story is an illusion. The behavior becomes deluded behavior. And we all know that when we enter that behavior, we always end up regretting what we do because once the altered state passes, we go, oh, the hell, what did I just do there? So that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's reactive behavior. When the upset is sending me an outward into the world, I'm projecting myself into the world, the response is when I move in, in an opposite direction. And the response requires realizing that I'm in an altered state and that what's happening is there's a memory coming up from the past. And the memory isn't the way a person behaves when they upset me or the story I tell about it. The memory is the emotional signature underlying the upset. And if I rather go into myself and sit with that emotional signature and, and learn how to contain it, which is something that as a capacity we have to develop, is how to contain our emotional state. Not suppress them and sedate them out of our awareness, but contain them. When I learn to contain my emotional state, there will be a buildup of energy in my system. And that buildup of energy will lead me into an energetic process that leads into what's called alchemy. And that energetic state will then be, um, uh, will go through a transformation. There will be a shift and I myself will experience a shift in consciousness. And that shift in consciousness will then alter my outside world and my thinking about it. So the, the altering, the transformation will come 
from going in. But if I try and alter my world by going out and fiddling with my thoughts, like trying to think it right, and then trying to rearrange my physical circumstances, that's reactive behavior. And that's based on an act that was developed in childhood. That's why it's called react. It's based on a reaction, whereas responsive behavior is about being responsible for the quality of my experience. And the causal point of the quality of my experience is coming from the imprint in my emotional body. So that's the difference between responsive and reactive behavior. I, I really feel that responsive behavior has personally been very freeing for me, and it's been such a process for me to leave that reactive behavior. But as I do, it, I can really see the, the reward to really acknowledging response as the, as the goal. Right. Um, the responsive behavior adjusts the, the imprinting. What, what, what many of us don't realize yet and what's going to become uh, obvious to us as we awaken more and more is that when we come into this world, we're like computers that get software downloaded into our system. And that software is downloaded in the first seven years of our life. It's downloaded through, fa through feeling it, not through thoughts and thinking about it, but through feeling it. Whatever happens to us in the first seven years of our life creates a felt impression in the emotional body and determines the way the emotional body works. We then go to schooling and we develop mental capacities. We then name these mental capacities. We give them names like fear, anger, grief, etc. And then we enter a physical world and these emotional states are then reflected as the physical circumstances around us. And what happens is by the time we enter the physical world as an adult, we are transfixed by the physical world. We perceive the world happening to us instead of through us. So that what we do is when we try and change the quality of our experience, we either try and change it on a physical way or because we've really been developing our mental body for the past few thousand years, we try and change it mentally. But it's only when we impact it emotionally that there's going to be a transformation taking place. And that's really the emphasis of the work that I'm uh, sharing with people. Um, I call myself a lobbyist for the heart. I'm saying, you've tried changing your world physically. You've tried rearranging your circumstances. You've tried running all over the planet, changing jobs, changing partners, but you end up in the same place. You still say, there's something, why does this keep happening to me? There's something that doesn't keep changing. And you've tried to change it by changing your thoughts. You've, you've thought, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, I'm abundant, I'm Mr. Abundant, etc., etc. But your bank balance is still zero because there's no cash flow happening there no matter how much you wish you were abundant, mainly because you think abundance is money and don't realize that abundance is everything. But have you tried changing the emotional signature that was implanted into your emotional body when you were a child? And that's another thing a teacher like Jesus says. He says, unless you become a child again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless you go back to that childhood and impact that, that, those first seven years with awareness, because the only tool of transformation we have that, that actually is useful is our awareness. When we bring awareness to the condition of our emotional body, it transforms it. And when we transform the emotional body, that transformation radiates into our mental body and our thinking automatically starts to transform. And as that transforms, then our physical world reflects that transformation. So it sounds like by tapping into the emotional body as an individual and as a species, we can really raise the vibration of the consciousness. Uh, not only that, but the... the um, 
the the emotional body is the body through which we perceive the vibrational realm. People call it the spiritual. I prefer vibrational because the religions have got hold of the word spiritual, so there's a lot of baggage around it, and they haven't got hold of the word vibrational yet, right? But the vibrational, okay. the vibrational is the is the word I prefer to use. Now, we do a lot of things to try and enter the vibrational to try and have vibrational experiences. A good example of this is to see how we try and make peace in this world. If you watch how we make peace, just watch our leaders. Our leaders make peace like this. They say, you all shut up and sit still so that we can be at peace. And if you don't shut up and sit still, then we'll send people in to shut you up and sit you still. And what they're saying is that peace is a physical circumstance. Through rearranging physical circumstances, we can get peace. But peace isn't a physical arrangement. Another way that our leaders approach peace is saying this, you bring your manifesto and I'll bring my manifesto and we will discuss our manifestos until we come to a compromise and then we'll sign it in front of the media and there shall be peace. But peace isn't a mental concept. Peace has never come about through arranging physical circumstances or through mental activity or through agreements because peace isn't a mental concept. Peace is only peace when you feel it. If you can't feel you're, you're not going to experience peace. The, the reality is peace is a frequency. It's a vibrational frequency that already is. The idea of making peace, you can't make something that's already created. Peace was already created. It's already given to the whole of humanity. The whole of Iraq is at peace. All you have to do is move all the people out and you'll see how peaceful it is there. You don't have to make the peace. You have to realize it. And realize shows us something. The word realize means real eyes. What is, the, what is the part of us that really can perceive peace? And the part of us that perceives peace is the heart through felt perception. But while our emotional body is pretty much shut down, while millions of us use pharmaceuticals so that we can't feel anything, because whenever we feel, start feeling what's really happening with us, we think something's wrong, we run to somebody and get them to shut it down again. While we live in that sort of world, while we shut down our emotional body, we simultaneously shut down our capacity to perceive what peace is. And when we shut down our capacity to perceive what peace is, we, we run around trying to achieve peace physically or mentally. We end up believing that thought creates. Now, if thought creates, it would mean that God is a thought. God is not a thought. Thought doesn't create. It's part of a process of manufacturing things, but it itself doesn't create. What is the vibrational creates and what is created is already created. Now, as humans, we have to evolve to a point that we can perceive that. And that's why, for example, a teacher like Jesus said, unless you become a child again, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is just language for the vibrational. It's basically saying, unless you go back to your childhood and free yourself up of that programming and develop your emotional capacity, open your emotional capacity, so that your heart, the feeling capacity of your heart is awoken, you can't perceive the vibrational because the vibrational is perceived through feeling it. We feel peace. We feel love. We feel what God is. We, we, you know, we feel presence. You don't think presence. You don't arrange things physically so that there's presence. These things are felt. And this is where we're getting to as humanity when we're realizing either we go into the heart or we're going to go into the traffic. That's the only choice left for us now. Yes, and I think that's a really important point that you made about peace being from within. No one else can experience peace 
for you. It's something that you, comes from your heart. It's something that feels right. I know A Course right. in Miracles teaches um, decisions are made for your basis, for your preference, for peace. And it's just redirecting you to your inside, to your heart, to knowing what right. feels right for you. Right, right. And I well, think that's a really important point that you make throughout the presence process is, you know, it's not about what I'm writing here. It's about your experience of what I'm writing absolutely. here. Well, the presence process really isn't a book. It's, a, it's an experience disguised as a book. And what the book is, is doing is it's saying, come and have this experience. It's not, a, it's not a, a, an experience you're supposed to have. It's not a particular experience. If you enter this procedure you are going to have a profound experience and that experience will teach you something about yourself. And when you take that teaching to be your truth, what you, your experience to be your truth, now you're underway. Because that's the shift of, you know, that's our paradigm shift in, in humanity at the moment. We're, you know, everyone's talking about 2012 and all this, this paradigm shift and what's this about. Well, it's a shift from, from outside to inside. At the moment, most of humanity takes their cue from what other people tell them to do and live in victim and victim mentality, you know, and expect everyone else to take care of the world and, 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 and look to politicians to take care of us and everyone else. So th this new shift is about personal responsibility. It, and personal responsibility only begins when we access our feeling body because, for example, you could ask me to house sit for you, right? And I can do that. I can do physical things for you. And you can ask me to represent you in a court of law, and I can go and speak on your behalf and mentally communicate on your behalf. But you can't go away for a week and say, Michael, won't you feel for me while I'm gone? Because our feeling capacity is ours alone. And it's only through feeling what's going on in the emotional body that we actually transform what's happening there. Thinking, understanding our childhood doesn't fix it. No amount, if, if, if talking could help us, don't you think the world would be at peace by now? We've done so much talking. Talking doesn't do it. It's the feeling component that we have to go to now. It's, and it's, it's not about feeling better. We're living in a world where everyone's trying to feel better. But feeling better takes us away from the truth. It's not about feeling better. It's about getting better at feeling. Shift that intent, right? And, and what we don't want to do is get better at feeling. The moment we start to feel anything, we numb ourselves out again. Yes, that is a very important point. And, you know, it's interesting. I find that what I have done in my process is I've done a clairvoyant program um, in Northern California through Berkeley Psychic Institute. And what it taught us was, or the way that I perceived what it taught was that basically our spirit is an infinite strip of pictures. And on the pictures, there are either charges like a battery, like a positive and negative. Right. And the, the goal of this is to really clear the charge to neutral, like a neutron, yeah. because that offers the most space. And I found that th that process was very parallel to what you've presented with the goal of just really neutralizing the emotional charge exactly. so that we can live in the truth of who we are. Exactly. We're either in charge or we're driven by a charge. You can notice when someone walks into a room, are they in charge? In other words, are they responsible? Are they taking responsibility for their experience in each moment? And a person who is, you will know, is very in touch with what's going on in their heart. They're led by their heart, by their, not by their head. 
or is someone driven by a charge and you notice them come into a room and there's something there driving them. They need your approval. They need to have a drink. They need to be the one to speak. They need to do this. They need, they're driven by a charge. And, and when we're driven by a charge, we're in behavior that is inauthentic. There is no integrity and it deprives us from the experience of intimacy. Only when we take charge of our experience do we, are we able to become authentic, regain our integrity, and enter the experience we are really looking for. The truth is, humans are not really interested in, in, in enlightenment. And we think we're looking for an enlightenment, but that's a mental concept. What we're really looking for is intimacy. We want to be intimate with ourselves, intimate with our families, intimate with nature, intimate with our lovers, intimate with God. Anyone who's an intimate with God is not worrying about trying to understand what God is or who God is or what this is. When we're intimate with that experience, we, we completely embrace it and are with it. Anyone who's intimate with a flower doesn't start dissecting it to find out what it's made of. It's only when we're in that mental, physical place that we start doing things like that. So the, the, the shift for humanity that is, that is being invited now is the shift of intimacy. And the word intimacy is into me and see, where every experience enables me to see deeper and deeper into myself. And that journey begins with my relationship with my own heart. And that relationship I have with my own heart is going to reflect all my outer relationships with my, my family, with my friends, with my lover, with, with, with whatever God is for me. They're all going to reflect the relationship I'm having with myself. And the bottom line is the reflect, re relationship I'm having with myself is the relationship I have with my feeling body. Do I stuff my feelings down? Do I ignore them? Am I unaware of them, or do I listen to them and allow them to show me and lead me along my life's journey? Very important. So I'm going to remind the audience tonight we are talking with Michael Brown, author of The Presence Process, A Healing Journey into Present Moment Awareness. You can find Michael on the web at www.namastepublishing.com or at www.thepresenceportal.com. You can find his book for purchase on one or both of those websites. And you can also take a view at his upcoming book, Alchemy of the Heart. So, Michael, tell us how you went from the presence process into the development of Alchemy of the Heart, which is coming out in 2008, this year, shortly. Right. It should, the copy should be available by the end of next month through Namaste Publishing and then a month or so after that, they'll be on the shelf. Um, when I came to the States to start sharing this work with people, um, I, I started doing presentation after presentation after presentation. And through this presentation experience, this, this, this ability came out to be able to, to take people on a journey from being in the womb, through their childhood, their emotional development, through their mental development of teenagers, into the physical world experience to show them how we get into a place of being an adult, what, how we go from presence to pretense, you know, from spontaneity to calculated behavior, and so how we go from being able to respond as children to reactive as adults. So I, I, that journey I was able to show people, and then the return journey, because you'll notice that journey into the world starts from the vibrational experience of the womb where we're just being into the emotional experience of childhood, the mental development of the teenage years, and then the physically transfixed experience of adulthood, 
when we return into authenticity, integrity, and intimacy, what we actually do is we reverse that journey. In other words, we first have to physically come back into our bodies. Because most of us are not in our bodies. We're living in our thoughts. We want to come back into our bodies. Then we gain mental clarity, and then we enter and integrate our emotional condition. The moment we enter our emotional condition and the heart opens, the vibrational pours in. You don't have to do spiritual practices to become aware of the spiritual. We just have to open the heart. Everything that is spiritual or vibrational is already given. So in the book Alchemy of the Heart, what I do is I take the reader on that journey into adulthood and then back show them that the pathway back into authenticity, integrity, and intimacy. And what I do along the way is show that crucial in this process is what happens in the heart, that actually the heart is the alchemist. It's through that feeling part of the journey that we integrate those ancient memories. Because what we don't realize at the moment is the memories we're processing as humanity at the moment are ancient memories. It's actually nothing personal. It's been passed from family to family to family. It impacts us personally at childhood. But what we're imprinted with at childhood is what our mother and father carried, what their mother and father carried, and we're the first generation who has the capacity and the awareness to neutralize the emotional charge that we've been carrying. And so what alchemy of the heart is, is really a roadmap to, to, it's really putting, if I was stand up in a, in a court of law and, and represent the heart as, as the causal point for the quality of human experience, this would be my testimony in the book. <laughs> so you've just <laughs> got, to give the, you've got to give the heart a chance now. You know, if you look at, you know, you've got to give the heart a chance. You know, we, we, if you want to get ahead, get into the heart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, it's interesting. I was listening to that fabulous CD, The Heart is the Healer, The Presence yes. Process, which is one of four CDs that also have the teachings of The Presence Process. It's a beautiful CD, by the way. And it really, it really promotes one leaving the mental body as we've been discussing into this emotional realm that can be very frightening for many people who've been functioning in this mental space for if not this lifetime but several lifetimes (laughs) yes yes yes. and and so how do we get them out of there (laughs) well well you know it's not about getting them out of there it's about you know the, the the whole premise of alchemy is i do unto myself as i would have others do I do unto myself as I would have others do. I don't need to go around and, and add more vices to people's life by giving them lots of advice or go, and, uh, interfere with it, go interfere by interfering with it. People follow the highest example around them. And our task as individuals is to set the example of what it is like to be responsible. And when I respond to my own heart and I transform my experience, immediately impacts my family, radiates out into my community and outward. So it's, le- it's, a, it's leading by example. It's that truly is becoming the peace we want to, 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 to perceive in the world. We have to become that, that peace. And so what happens when we do this heart work is as we do more and more heart work and we cleanse our emotional body, what happens is we become a big shady tree for others to come and sit under. And when they come and sit under that tree, then they gain the awareness of the work they have to do. But to tell someone to go into their emotional body or against their will if they're not ready, they won't go because the heart is the keeper of the doorway. The heart is the keeper of the doorway of the vibrational realm. And the guardians of that door are fear, anger, and grief. 
And unless I go into my own fear, anger, and grief, I'm never going to enter the vibration. It's not going to happen. And you can't make someone else go into their fear, anger, and grief. All we can do is be an example of how we respond to our own. And when you really respond to your own fear, anger, and grief, and you cleanse your emotional body, you will begin to radiate a vibration that other people can sense. And they will come to you. And they might, if they're very physically transfixed, they might say, have you done something to your hair? Or, you know, you know uh, what's going Do you have a new boyfriend? Or what's going on? Uh-huh. But they will ask what's going on with you because they will sense the vibration. And if someone asks, it means they're receptive. And then you can say, no, I've been doing this work in my heart and it's amazing. And then they're receptive. But usually if you try and tell someone to go into the emotional body before they're, they're ready, they close down even more. They become afraid because fear is the first step in entering the emotional body. So it's so, really leading by example, lead by example. Yes, yes. So there's an important point that you make here is fear is the first step. So why yes. don't you explain the value of suffering during the presence process? Why don't I explain the value of suffering? Yes, because the value of suffering really t- allows us to tap into that sense of emotional feeling, which is well, a bridge well, to the well, emotional body. Um, well, there's, there, there's a difference between uh, suffering and discomfort. And, and when we process our emotions, we are going to experience discomfort. If we resist it, the discomfort is just, it's not come to hurt us. It's come to tell us where we are already hurting and have been hurting all our lives. If we resist our discomfort, then we suffer. And there is no value in suffering. No one has ever asked us to suffer. But there is great value in embracing our discomfort. And once I realize that my discomfort is the road into awakening, that my discomfort is the part of my being that's calling me, that is already hurt and is asking me to pay attention to that hurt, and I surrender to that discomfort and let it lead me, I don't suffer. It doesn't mean it's easy or it's good but I don't suffer. The suffering ends. The suffering is the resistance to the pain and discomfort. It's not the pain and discomfort itself. My suffering stopped the moment I agreed to start taking responsibility for my experience. I still went through a lot of pain and discomfort after that, but I wasn't suffering anymore. So, but the value of our fear, anger, and grief, it has value because our emotional awareness as human beings, we don't function from felt perception. In other words, felt perception is the capacity for me to be able to feel the consequence of my presence in the world. In other words, the consequence of my thoughts, words, and deeds before I even put them into play. If I can feel the consequence of my thoughts, words, and deeds before I I put them into play, if I can feel that, I wouldn't do anything not only to hurt myself, but to hurt other beings around me. And that's what it means where there's love, there's no law. When I'm operating from felt perception, no one needs to tell me how to behave. And that's the paradigm shift we're heading into. But in order to develop that felt perception, I have to start by feeling my fear, anger, and grief that I've been suppressing. When I suppress my fear, anger, and grief, I don't want to feel it. I simultaneously suppress my ability to feel that part of me that feels, which is the heart. Once I agree to feel the fear, anger, and grief that was imprinted in me at childhood, the feeling of it, by feeling my fear, I actually awaken my felt vocabulary. By feeling my anger, I awaken my felt vocabulary. And one of the important ones is anger. You know, we talk a lot about fear, but we're really not a... The fear isn't the problem. It's really the fear of the fear. 
once we get into the fear, we find out that what we're most afraid of is our anger, is our own anger. We're very angry. And you can tell this by the amount of war on the planet. All the war on the planet is our suppressed anger projected outwards at other beings. So the biggest thing is anger. Anger is very difficult to deal with. But unless we integrate our anger, unless we learn to feel it and contain it without projecting it in the world so it can transform, there is no movement in our lives. And many people don't even know they're angry. But I'll tell anyone who's listening to this program right now, if you want to know where your anger is, look at any place in your life where there is no movement, where there is no movement in relationship, no movement in finances, no movement in work and creativity, no movement in a health condition, that place where there's no movement, that is an outer manifestation of anger inside of you that hasn't been dealt with. Because anger is about movement, it's friction. And a wheel on a track needs friction to grip. It also needs friction for brakes to stop the wheel. And if we don't integrate our anger, we live with our brakes on. So the phase that we're in in humanity at the moment is we're, we've done the fear. The fear is the war on terror. The fear is 9-11. That's the fear. We're in the anger now, which is the war, right? And the war that's going on around the planet, that's, that's the, the projected anger that we're being asked to process. So that's a difficult one. But um, uh, from the anger, we go into the grief. All these three states, fear, anger, and grief, by feeling them, we awaken the feeling capacity. And it's the feeling capacity that enables us to perceive the vibrational. So these are rites of passage. They, and a rite of passage just means it's the right passageway to move along. So there's value in our fear, anger, and grief. And that's why I call, I call them you know, guardians at the gates of the kingdom. If I'm not prepared to feel my fear or my anger or my grief, if I can't contain these states without going into an altered state and projecting them on other people, how do I expect to contain God? How do I expect to contain the awareness of God while I'm in this world if I can't even contain my anger? You know, so, so these things come to train us to contain vast amounts of the energetic experience, which we call God. Yes, very, very beautiful. So through the 10-week process that is described through the presence process, there is an affirmation each week, or it's yes. actually called a presence activation, activating statement that's yes. presented, and that's just very valuable. And, you know, as I read through this, I was wondering how many times would you recommend somebody goes through that 10-week process to really gain a sense of authenticity and integration with their emotional body? I would say a person would do it, it's best to do it three times. And the reason I say that, the reason I say that is the first time through, first of all, you're just training yourself how to recognize suppressed memories, how to become vulnerable to them, and how to process, process them as they come up in, our, in your daily life. Also, the first time through, it's going to be quite a physical experience. Um, there's going to be physical discomfort. So we're going to relate to it physically. The second time through, um, when we come to it, we now have some experience. The text is going to speak to us in a very different language because the text is written from nine years of experience. So there's no way the person who comes to the text immediately really gets the fullness of it because they don't yet have the experience out of which the text is drawn. So the second time we go through, we're going to get quite a bit of mental integration going on. And then the third time we go through, we're really going to become vulnerable to deeply suppressed emotional states and by that time, we will have mastered the tools of working with them. None of this makes it any easier. 
It's not about easy, and that's what I say in the beginning of the book. There's two words you've got to eliminate from your vocabulary when you enter this sort of work. The one is good, and the one is easy. We want good and easy because we're suffering so much. So we just want to get fixed and get done and get on with something else. But our heart isn't something we just get, you know, we get over with and get on with something else. Being responsible is what being alive is about. And what this procedure trains us to do is to take full responsibility for the quality of our experience. And that responsibility will stay with us forever. We, we are forever responsible for the quality of our experience. There will never come a moment in our being conscious beings from this point onwards when we will not be required to be responsible for our experience. So this is really, and once we've gained that responsible and we are being responsible, we don't have to do responsible. Initially, when we start the process, we do things to gain this responsibility, but then it becomes a way that we are being in the world and then there's not a need to keep doing the procedure. But it may take, some people do it once, some people do it twice, some people do it six times. And if someone does it six times and they tell me they've done it six times, I normally joke, I say, well, you obviously have a problem we can't help you with. So you know, you don't, don't use the presence process as a means to start controlling your experience. Take its insights, its teachings, and then trust your own experience. There's a point at which you need to let go of this text and, and trust what your heart is telling you, and the book will teach you or invite you into experiences that will assist you to be able to do that. So it's really about self-empowerment. This, this is a procedure that you facilitate yourself through. You can't do it in a group. You can't go to someone else to feel for you. Anyone you lean on while you're feeling is going to invariably deprive you of the ability of standing on your own two feet. So this work you come to when you are ready to stand on your own two feet, and it will teach you how to do that, how to grow up emotionally. And that is so important. And, you know, I parallel that with my teachings as also as a spiritual teacher is, I tell my clients, you know, if you're calling me once a week, I'm a little concerned, maybe three times a year or four times a year, because the information that I'm looking at to neutralize these pictures as yes. a clairvoyant is something that it, it's a core picture. This goes back to your beliefs as a child. It goes back to beliefs from government, society, yes. religion, yes. you know, family. I mean, this is like your core reason for coming on earth and if you think you're going to get this in a week you are exactly. not going to like me as a clairvoyant <laughs> i think anything any, any anything if if you think you're going to accomplish anything in 10 weeks you're on the wrong journey because it's not about 10 weeks while we are in this world and especially right at this point of our human history if you are alive and you're a conscious human being in this world today it means you're here and you have work to do and even once you have you have dealt with your own personal imprinted stuff, the moment you have done that, the universe will hand you the collective printed stuff to work with. We're here, once we take responsibility, we're here to transform ancient memories. This war in Iraq, for example, this is a memory. This war is not happening now, it's just projected into the now. This war is a war that happened. The war between the Christians and, 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 and the Muslims is an old war. It happened a long time ago. This is the unintegrated memory of that war. So we have collective memory to, to process. So while we're in this world, we are here to do the work. And it's joyful work once you get with it, once you participate in it. It's not about getting anything perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about participation. And, and, and the participation for each individual human being is their emotional connection to what's ever going on. 
I say to people, whatever triggers you in the world emotionally, that's your point of doing the work. Don't run around and go and do stuff you know, out of guilt and out of helplessness. Do what, come to what is given to you through being upset, through being triggered. And the universe is a master at getting you when you least expect it. It will give you stuff to work with if you are ready and willing to. And if you are not, it will come to you unconsciously, and that's where the suffering happens. So either we, we, you know, either we climb aboard consciously or we get dragged along behind unconsciously. Yes, yes. So I, I think that's an important point to really choose to say, okay, I'm going to make this how I'd like it instead of choose to react that this is happening to me. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, we're a big working party at the moment as human beings. This is work. This is, we're, we've entered the time where we're processing the, the collective human emotional body. And as I said, we go from fear to anger to grief. And this emotional processing was started in 1999. And anyone listening to this program, if they just look at what happened in 1998 into 1999, they got impacted emotionally. Boom, there was a bam, an impact. And then soon after that, the whole planet got collectively impacted. We had 9-11, which is the fear, the Iraq war, which is the anger, the massive tsunami, which was the grief. Bam, bam, bam. Those three events were collective experiences and opportunities. It's, it's an emergency. An emergency is either emergency drives you into fear or emerge and see drives you into awareness and consciousness. So, you know, we are, we are going to face many emergencies as we go along. But the profound thing is that this year, the energy is for accomplishing these things quite easily. If we just sit and commit to doing the work, there's so much help. There's going to be so many paradigm shifts happening on this planet in this year. They are already happening around us. If we, just have, if we can just get ourselves out of our personal stuff and look around, we will see that the universe is already showing us there are possibilities that are becoming available, ways of people being in this world. There are sleepers out there who are people in positions of power who have been waiting for an opportunity to make a move for consciousness. And a lot of this will happen this year. So it's not like there's no, nothing hopeless about it. This year people will see it's a new beginning for humanity. It's a shift into, para into a new paradigm. And it will happen within our own personal experiences this year we will see the fruits of it if we're prepared to take responsibility for the quality of our experience. If we go to the heart, instead of getting lost in the head, things will move very, very quickly. And it's so wonderful that you have so many tools available on your website at www.thepresenceportal.com yes. for our audience to be able to do so and to help them you know, grab the reins of their own process and really manage it at their pace and their way. And I'd like to just mention to go on there, and there are some great audios on there. There are a couple of um, interviews surrounding the presence process. I would recommend they check that out. You have some great articles. I'd also like to let people know that his website is available in Spanish, which is so important to some people who have a language barrier. So if you know anybody who needs some spiritual guidance that seems in alignment with what Michael Brown is offering, that that is an, an access. And what's exciting, too, is I have some clients in Chile and, who and will be listening process. this evening. So this that's is, great for them. <laughs> yeah, and the presence process is coming out in Spanish this year. So oh, that procedure great. will be available to the whole Spanish-speaking world, which to me is very important because my insights from it, many of my insights from it came from the Aztec and Mayan culture. They know about working with the time-based paradigm 
And much of my, my insights came from that. So it's wonderful that the work is going to go back to the Spanish-speaking, to the, the South American countries, to where I believe a lot of this awareness has been waiting for us here in this part of the world to, to awaken to. They, they've known this for a long time. We're now awakening to it. So I'm extremely excited that the presence process this year will be available in Spanish. Yes, that is great, and it's wonderful to hear, and congratulations on that accomplishment. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So so that's really exciting that you got to study with an Indian tribe in Mexico, and I'm sure that's influenced so much of the way that you view the world. Well, I participated with them in ceremonies, but where I, I did most of my participation was with Native Americans um, in through the Native American church. I was a trainee fire fire chief in the Native American church, and that's where I learned about the pathway of awareness. The ceremony of the Native American Church honors the pathway of awareness in its 12-hour ceremony. And um, it uses, moves along the physical, then through the mental. Then if you do midnight water, you enter the emotional. And then around 4 o'clock in the morning, you have this main smoke in which we enter the vibrational. It's the most beautiful and awesome ceremony. And that's really where I was schooled, also in containment, in, in being able to stay conscious while you're in an altered state. All these sort of things I was trained in. And, and, and also much of this work comes from the Native Americans. The, the indigenous community, their job has been to keep this knowledge intact while we went mad. <laughs> while we went completely <laughs> mental. And as we're regaining our senses, they're sitting there waiting and going, well, here it is. You know, And part of this work comes through you know, through the presence process comes from the indigenous the cultures. They're the ones, you know, who know about the heart. They will always tell you the heart, go to the heart, speak the language of the heart, get to God through the heart, you know, so. Which we all as humans can relate to. One of the things I notice with my clients is they're in their pictures, they all have what I call as collectivistic belief systems, which are generally cultures that think like a group or tribal. Yes, yes. And a lot of those collectivistic groups, um, belief systems are very powerful in remembering that we're one and that there's a larger consciousness and there's more than just the self or the I. But then I also find, you know, that it's really important to clear all the guilt and fear and, you know, the negative emotions surrounding that. But ultimately we all can relate to that impression because it's a memory we all carry. Absolutely, absolutely. And what we're going to enter now is, a different level of unity conscious it's a consciousness which is going to be reflected you know in our politics and everything where people that haven't had a voice before are going to have a voice um you know whether it's the 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 feminine aspect of society that hasn't had a voice is going to have a, a voice the minority aspects what we think of as no one is a minority everyone is 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 coming from the source and part of the source and so all of that, we're going to enter a new type of unity consciousness now that's going to shift very quickly. I think what people can't conceive yet of is this thing called no order of difficulty. And what we're going to see during the course of 2008 is no, what no order of difficulty really means. The vibrational, when it's ready to switch on, it knows no order of difficulty. And um, so we always determine how we're going to make progress in the future by what's been going on in the past. The past is not a barometer to to use as to what's going to happen even in the next 12 months. There is no point of reference for how things are going to move in the next 12 months. And we're going to see, and that no order of difficulty, as we see it's happening around us, it's going to inspire us in our personal lives to really get up and participate 
you know, with what's going on on this planet. That's so funny because as I sit here um, <laughs> on my station, I, I'm seeing that I have two note cards from A Course in Miracles, and, and the quote is, there is no order of difficulty in miracles. <laughs> it, it says, one is not harder or bigger than another. They are all the same. All expressions of love are maximal. <laughs> Absolutely. See, and that's, we are really going to realize experientially what the implications of that are. Yes, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. So yeah. that's really great. So one last point I think that the book really brought out for me and reminded me of the presence process, a healing journey into present moment awareness, is the value of trusting our inner voice and going within, being intrinsic Absolutely. versus extrinsic, looking outside for the answers, because that's what we're socialized to do. That's what our families tell us. That's what our school systems tell us me being an academic for many years, that was something I really had to, you know, cope with in my own process was how do I know that I know within? No one else has said this. No one else has thought this. And I think in the book you do a really great job of reiterating the value of, the, of going within and being intrinsic. What we are going to realize this year in a very real way, we either go within or we go without. <laughs> so really, very you know, the, simple and clear. <laughs> very simple. Go within or go without. And the way of going within is to trust what's going on in the heart. The heart takes us within. And so, so, so you know. And if you don't know how to go into your heart, ask the question: How do I now enter my heart space? Ask, and you will receive. 2008 is the year of receiving. Just ask the right question. So say that question one more time for everybody. This is the question of the year. If you're not quite sure where, where to go with all this or where to start, besides picking up the book to really embrace yourself through the process, if you're listening, I'm certain it resonates with you. That question would be? Well, how can I listen to my heart? How can I go into my heart space? You know, how, can I, how can I enter my heart space and function from that place? Just ask the question and let your life experience become the answer. What a beautiful idea. That's that's so phenomenal. And that's the value of going within and creating our own experience and then doing that from the heart just creates the most optimal vibration. It's an awakening of the inner divine love, light, and abundance. You know, the word heart and the word earth are the same word. They just have the letters mixed around. So we're, wow. we're actually living on the heart. It's time to go into our own. <laughs> Wow, wow, that's phenomenal. That's so beautiful. Well, I'd like to thank you so much, Michael, for joining me this evening to discuss the presence process and alchemy of the heart. I I am honored to have the opportunity to speak with you, and I'd like to let our audience know that you'll be appearing in Tucson, Arizona, for a two-day workshop, February 29th and March 1st. They can contact Rebecca Clemens at 520-818. Nine six four eight. So, are you excited about that? Oh yes, I've got another. You know, I've I have a I'm on a tour at the moment called the Alchemy of the Heart Tour, and it you know we we set up with schedules all the way into August, so people can go onto my website or the Namaste Publishing website and see where all the places are we're going. And this is not about me going there to teach people stuff. If you go on the website, there's a letter to participants. I want people to come and participate in what we're doing. We're having a conversation about the heart. Come and participate. And, I, and there are ways on the website that you can participate within yourself energetically in this experience. So 
Um, it's, it's so far we started, you know, in this last week with the first few presentations. It's been just the most phenomenal, awesome experience. So come along and enjoy, join us in this fantastic conversation we're having. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me tonight, and I hope that we can talk again in the future as you continue your, your beautiful journey. Well, thank you. And, and if you send me the link for your program, I'll put it on my website so people who didn't manage to catch the program can tune in at, at any time and be able to listen to that. Yes, and we'll do that on Evolution's Revolution homepage as well, so they'll have options as to where to touch base with this opportunity. Excellent. Excellent. Thank Great. you so much, Delphinia. Thanks, Michael. Take care. Okay. Okay, goodbye. Good night. All right, so we're going to head on into our closing and our announcements. I'm thrilled to have on Evolution Revolution next week Marla Martinson with her fun release of Excuse Me, Your Soulmate is Waiting. The book is out just in time for Valentine's for all of you seeking love out there. You can pick up your copy on February 1st tomorrow at your local bookstore or on her website or Amazon.com. And also coming up on February 21st, I am honored to have on the show Michael Tamura of Mount Shasta with his exceptional book release, You Are the Answer, Discovering and Fulfilling Your Soul's Purpose. Michael is a phenomenal teacher and clairvoyant, and he is just so exciting, one of my great mentors um, related with the Berkeley Psychic Institute out of uh, the Bay Area in California. So additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on the Evolution Revolution homepage. Their archive shows are available 24 hours a day at no charge, either to just listen at the moment or to upload as a podcast for later listening. The archives include amazing talent such as Richard Blackstone's book, offering a wonderful set of tools to show you there is no time like the present to wake up and see you do have the power to make your life as you choose it. We also have David Robert Ord with Your Forgotten Self, Mirrored in Jesus the Christ, Megan Skinner with her fun book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Sextrology, Dr. Lisa Love with her her wonderful release, Beyond the Secret, Spiritual Power and the Law of Attraction, Jennifer Weigel with her humorous approach to life's challenges and opportunities in Stay Tuned. Betty Young's latest book release, The House That Love Built, which we commend you, Betty, was just accepted the last month or so into the Oprah Book Club. Taylor Wilshire with her fun novel based on A Course in Miracles, The What If Guy. And Paula Marie Jackson with her inspirational affirmations in Love and Light. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, spiritual healer, and counselor. I offer clairvoyant readings via phone, allowing people from all over to connect with me. If you're interested, you can email at lightforall, L-I-G-H-T-F-O-R-A-L-L at gmail.com. To schedule an appointment, a divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Thank you for joining me with on Evolution Revolution with Michael Brown this evening. He was a phenomenal guest. And much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the platform of Evolution Revolution. Please join me next week with Marla Martinson. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, prosperity, and light. Angel blessings. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio.